When I was a graduate student in my first graduate degree, I had a, an advisor and a mentor of mine who was a little intimidating. Mark Knoll uh, is a historian. He later went on to teach PhD students at the University of Notre Dame, and then later became one of the residential historians for the Library of Congress, right? So think Brainiac. When you went into his office, it reminded, you, it reminded me of pictures I had seen of Einstein's office, just books everywhere, manuscripts. People all over the country would send him manuscripts. Dr. Noel, Mark, would you tell me what you think of this idea? Would you tell me what you think of this uh, thing that I see in history? And so when I would go in that first year before we got to know each other really well, I always felt like I was bothering him. I always felt like I was pestering him. I always, I always went in timidly. And to add, to add to that feeling, he would type while we were talking on a manual typewriter. So he, he would ask, he would say, do you mind if I type this reply while we're getting started talking? And of course, you know, I'd be like, sure, Dr. Noel, anything you want, Dr. Noel. That's no problem at all, Dr. Noel. I'll just go home and cry afterward, but that's okay, right? So, like a machine gun. And so I would have to, I, I want to talk to you about this. <laughs> like, so I'm raise, raising my voice. So in, intimidating, pestering. Have you ever had someone in your life, a boss, maybe a parent, but somebody in authority in your life that you felt like anytime you went to them, you were a bother, you were a pest, you weren't sure how to approach them, there was some timidity with how you did that. So Jesus, Jesus teaches us some things about how to pray, okay? And, and I want to walk through the Lord's Prayer with you and highlight a few things. And I'm, I'm taking this from Luke chapter 11, uh, verses one through 13. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. It's interesting to me that this prayer starts off with one key word, Father, Father, Father. In the Old Testament, Father is used to describe God 15 times, certainly not in prayer. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, all of a sudden God is referred to as Father 165 times in the Gospels. Something is shifting, something is changing. Jesus flipped who we're praying to, okay? J.I. Packer says this in his book, Knowing God. You sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, 
is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption, which is why Jesus says this after the Lord's prayer part. Teaching more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked and my family and I are in bed, I can't help you. I tell you, Jesus says, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, that guy will get up out of bed and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And then he goes on and he says, so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive, keep on seeking and you'll find, keep on knocking and the door will be opened. And then he brings it back to father. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? The implied answer is no. no. Good fathers don't do that. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? No. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, in the middle of the night, a guy knocking on the door, and he just needs bread. You don't need an ambulance. No one's lost a limb. There's no need for CPR. Like, and yes, there's ancient Near Eastern customs about hospitality that are in play, but it's not a matter of life and death. And one of the things that uh, uh, David Platt draws out of this is that what matters to you matters to God. The fact that the guy needs a loaf of bread in the middle of the night, really, it doesn't matter to the guy who's in bed already, right? But what, what, God, what Jesus is trying to get us to see by calling God Father is that, and that God is, is, is a good Father, is that what matters to us matters to God even if it seems small. So you don't need to approach God the way I approached Dr. Knoll in graduate school that first year. Um, God, I know you're busy running the universe and everything. And, and I, I, listen, the Middle East has me up at night and I know you got your hands full and everything, but if you could just, I know it's not a really big deal, but right, you don't need to approach God that way. Unburden your heart to him, go to him. If it matters to you, it matters to him. Now. Anne Lamont, in writing about prayer, she says, Americans typically have just three prayers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, help me, help me, help me, and uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, oops, my bad, sorry God, do over, like, Americans tend to have just those three prayers, but I wanna kind of unpack a few things. There's some handouts for you to take home if you want, uh, but I wanna talk about three parts of the Lord's Prayer to kind of prepare us for the second half of worship today. Um, in the prayer, Jesus tells us to say this, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now I've taught a lot about forgiveness and there are a lot of things that forgiveness is and is not, but just by way of review, forgiveness does not mean that 
there are no consequences. If you cheat on your husband or your wife, you can be as sorry as the day is long, but there are consequences. If you cheat on a math test, you can be really sorry to your teacher, but at the end of the day, you're probably still getting a zero, right? Like, there are consequences, and consequences aren't the same as forgiveness. Reconciliation isn't the same thing as forgiveness. Restoration isn't the same thing as forgiveness. But Jesus is linking our forgiving others who've wronged us to God forgiving us. So what's going on, right? Let me articulate some things Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, well, if you really struggle to forgive your mom on you, because God's not going to, no. Has nothing to do with struggling to forgive. Has nothing to do with, well, if it is taking you five years to get to a point where you can forgive that spouse who cheated on you, if you can forgive your parent for da da da, it's not talking about that, okay? Um, I believe what Jesus is ultimately talking about is a blatant refusal, a arms crossed, hey God, I'm not forgiving X ain't gonna happen. Not on my watch, not today, not now, not ever. And Jesus is trying to alert us to the fact that if that's our stance and our arms are crossed and we're blatantly refusing, period, no exceptions, no chink in the armor, that we should be cautious, we should be careful because God is gonna respond to us similarly, right? So that's one thing this forgiveness thing. And then there's another thing, the give us today the food we need. I had a grandpa, my step-grandfather, Grandpa John, Big Bad John, that was his nickname. He had a, he had a hand drawing that an artist had made of him, larger than life, and on the drawing it said, Big Bad John. John was, Grandpa John was great. Go to Las Vegas, he was one of those self-made millionaires. A Couple of things about Grandpa John that I remember freaking out as a kid. One day there was a guy who came in to the house and Grandpa John got in a big argument with him and was saying swear words that were not allowed in my house, house growing up in Hartford City, Indiana, right? But I was visiting Grandma and Grandpa, you know, Grandpa John and Nana Angel in Las Vegas, and, and he was letting this guy have it, and you blinkety blinkety, and, and let me tell you, and, and I remember he was like, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, this is what you're going to do, and he spelled it out, and the, and the guy left. And I remember later, I think I was like eight, nine years old, I remember asking Grandpa John, Grandpa John, who was that? And then he told me this name, and then the, the kicker that shocked me was like, well, yeah, he's the governor of Nevada. And I was like, what? You mean you can talk to the governor that way? Like, what? <laughs> like, <sighs> my mind was blown. Big Bad John, same guy that would, you know, make a steak and put it on the grill. <laughs> okay, here you go. And it's still mooing. I was like, I can't eat it. The blood vessels are in it. Oh. Okay. Big Bad John, who would say to my brother and I, every time we were out at Las Vegas, you want to eat tonight? You got to work. If you want, you got to, you got to work to eat here. So what are you going to do today? And so, you know, you know, little Max being the uber responsible kid, you know, unlike my brother, Brent, I'd be like, what needs done? What chores? I'll sweep. I'll put stuff away. I'll stack. What, what, what do you need, Grandpa John? You know, poor Brent get to be dinner time and, you know, the food's coming out and his plate's empty. And John would do the whole, remember what I said, you don't work, 
you don't eat. Now, here's the thing. Because you and I are Americans, this is embedded in us. It's, in, it's like it's in our DNA because there ain't no such thing as a... Oh, you live in America too. Yeah, right? And so we take that stance with God. When we need God to come through for us big time, we'll, we'll offer something, right? Oh, God, I'll serve. I'll serve in the preschool for five years if you just... <sighs> right? We'll, we'll make these deals with God as though we need to leverage him or get him to do things because we've got to earn God's blessing or, or God coming through for us. Um, so Jesus is telling us, no, 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 remember, it's like you're a kid, and when he, uh, think four-year-old or younger, it's like you're a kid, and you need something, and you're going to your dad, and you're asking for it. How does a four-year-old ask for something? Yeah, they're pretty direct. I need, I'm hungry, I want. Now, of course, not all four-year-olds four are self-aware enough that they, you know. So let me unpack that for a minute, right? For those of you that have had kids, your four-year-old that says to you, I want to keep playing with my friend Elena or Bubba, right? right? And they're doing the whole thing. There's what they think they need, which is to play more with their friend. And then there's what they really need, which is what? A nap. Sleep. They need a nap. <laughs> they need a nap. I'll, let me set that up again, Josh. Sometimes they think they need to play with their friend, but what they really need is, okay, and so, so let's take that over to grown-upville. So we'll say things like, God, I just need a break. And we do, but what we really need is to be better with boundaries and the ability to say no, right? That's what we need. We think we need a break, and the break will solve that. And God, being God, is like, well, what you really need is, right? So in this whole dynamic of asking God for what we need, one of the things I want to challenge you with is it would be a good idea to, from time to time, approach God and ask God, God, what do I need? What do I need? He's your heavenly Father who loves you, who knows you. He knows what you need and you're wanting him to speak in your life, right? So, so there's that component of give us today the food that we need. And then at the beginning of the prayer, Jesus wants us to, may your kingdom come soon. Now, we just had a forever teaching series on the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom, the kingdom is anywhere where God wants things to be, that's how things are where God is ruling things as king and people are loving God and loving their neighbor, right? And there's human flourishing and there's not brokenness from sin. And so the ethics of the kingdom are really summarized by these things that we have at the front of our sanctuary. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are, you can say it, And the second commandment is, yeah, right. So there's this love part. Um, and so I want to, 
as we're, you know, so we're talking about prayer, praying to God. So we've talked about the forgiveness part, the, the need part, but the kingdom part is equally important. In this sanctuary, on your right, my left, ooh, I did that, right? We have a couple of people that we financially support, partner with, pray for. The lady on the left, Charlotte, she's plunked down in Louisville for a time. And the reason she's getting this degree and finishing this degree at Wheaton is because she wants to do what she did better. So when she was in Alaska, she discovered that there are several places in Alaska that are basically pass-throughs for human trafficking. And she was horrified. Are you kidding me? So, so all across the country, there are scads and scads of young women who ran away from home because home's brutal. And then they found themselves in a set of circumstances that was much, much worse because now they're having to sell their body to men in order to eat and other things. And it's not just young women. There's young boys that are caught in this too, right? And so Charlotte wants to love God and love her neighbor who's caught in human trafficking, right? And there are ways that we can pray for her and pray that God's kingdom come because God's kingdom coming to the United States would mean that we get to a day when we're not hearing about an FBI sting that rounded up 13 people caught in human trafficking and five, you know, people selling them, right? So that's one thing. And then if you look at the picture on the right, since this goes on the internet, I'll just say we have friends on the other side of the world. God doesn't just love white English-speaking people, does he? God loves everybody. God loves brown people. God loves black people, because people are people. I know it's weird, but in America, we're having a debate again about who's really human, but human is human, okay? <laughs> people are people, and people are valuable because they're made in God's image. And so, so our friends on the other side of the world are living in a place that has got brown people and pre people that speak Farsi and other kinds of languages, and they're steeped in a culture, Islamic culture, which is eerily similar in some ways to Christian culture in that, see, in Islamic culture, the way you relate to God is you gotta, you gotta knock it out of the park. There's an angel on your right shoulder and a, and a pseudo angel on your left shoulder and they're keeping track of everything you do, all the good stuff and bad stuff. And you better hope that all the good stuff is so much more than the bad stuff. And so that's part of the dynamic. And so Jesus living the life that we should live and dying the death we deserve and that God's love for us is not based on our performance is radical. Every bit as radical as it is, is if you go to places in the United States, I grew up Baptist, steeped in Baptist culture, we would say the gospel with our mouths, but what we lived was a, was a works thing. God loves you if you show up for church, you don't have sex outside of marriage, you wear the right clothes. If you're a woman, you don't wear pants. Like there were a list of things that made you acceptable and unacceptable to God, right? So our friends there are trying to, to make inroads for the kingdom where God rules and where there's that kind of shalom that God wants to create. And then last but not least, we don't have a picture of it, but the pandemic shut churches down like us, shut lots of things down. So we couldn't gather, we couldn't sing. You know what the one thing we could do? We could show up at the food pantry and we could load boxes and we could unload trucks and we could get out food to our neighbors. 
This congregation's been neck deep in the food pantry for a long time. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry I got you roped into it, and you're welcome, because Jesus will thank you later. So, so again, that's kingdom. Love our, for our neighbor means love for our neighbor who's hungry and is getting at a point in the month, and they're having to cut pills in half, because, you know, because what you got to do. And they're, you know, they don't know how they're going to make things work or how to make the ends meet, okay? So I wanted to unpack some of those things about the Lord's prayer, right? So Jesus is saying something important when he says, when he's asked, teach us to pray, and he says, oh, well, say this. Jesus is saying some important things. Let me give you some practical things to take with this and then and then we'll sing and you'll have a chance to pray and talk to God. So first of all, let me ask a few questions as it relates to the forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What hurtful things have been said or done to you? Would, do you wanna carry those debts around with you or would you be willing today to at least start the process of forgiveness by saying, Okay, I don't want to, but I'll, I'll cancel the debt. And then secondly, what do you need from God today? What do you need from God today? And then lastly, as it relates to the kingdom, where is God at work right now? I promise you, God is at work all around you. And part of our, uh, part of our responsibility is having eyes to see, ears to here and so that we recognize where God's at work and we can partner with him with what he's wanting to do in the world. So practical advice as it relates to the Lord's prayer. Practical advice number one, there is no wrong way or right way to pray when it comes to what and how to pray. Uh, the Lord's prayer is like advice. Jesus is saying, here's a place to start. Pray like this, okay? Secondly, be authentic. And that means the real you. God knows the real you when you talk to him. So just be you. Don't try to be someone else. When my wife Jenny calls me on the phone and I see that it's her, when the little green thing starts glowing, I don't answer the phone this way. Hello, this is Max Vanderpool, your husband. Do any of you do that? I hope not. That'd be awkward. <laughs> no, what do you usually, it's me. Or when you're calling your lover or your spouse, typically, do you say, hello, this, I, when I'm calling Jenny, I don't go, hello, this is Max Vanderpool, your husband. No, I go, it's me, right? So, so be you, uh, be authentic. Uh, authentic is honestly sharing what's in here. God already knows what's in here. Here's what I found in chamber circles. Because I'm a pastor and because I have this other parish called the, the Chamber of Commerce. I get asked to pray a lot before meals. And I've noticed that I don't get asked to pray when the senators are in town or like an awards night like this week. Like when the stakes are high, I'm not the one praying. But when if it's just a lunch or something like that, they'll, they'll let me pray. And I remember praying once and it was a, just this beautiful taco bar, Karen. And it... <laughs> It was, it was 20 feet long, and I had come into the event, and I hadn't had breakfast that day, and they asked me to pray, and I, 
I got up there and I think all I did was, oh God, it just smells so good and it's just so amazing to be here right now and I'm so hungry and I'm so grateful for Thelma and, and you know, amen. And when I was done, two things freaked me out. One, people applauded. <laughs> which shouldn't happen, I don't think, when you're praying. And then when I went and sat down at my table, one of my chamber friends who is in the category of pseudo-Buddhist, so he thinks there's this spirit thing that's behind the universe. He's not sure what it is. He's not sure it matters to figure it out what it is. And, and he says to me, Max, I love it when you pray. I'm like, okay. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, it's like you're actually talking to someone. And, and I thought, oh, right? So when you're talking to God, it, don't make it into a performance. Don't make it into a bunch of, you know, when I grew up in church, we all thought we had to talk to God using Elizabethan English. Talk about a barrier. I'm gonna talk to God, but first, I need to learn Shakespearean English. Our heavenly Father, we beseech thee before thy throne in thy great goodness that thou would bestowest upon us. You know, what? <laughs> That's hard. So again, be authentic, okay? And sometimes that's telling God the truth because God already knows the truth. God, I really don't want to be around you or talk to you right now. God would be like, yeah, we need to be talking about that issue, but we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Third, keep it simple. Length and more words does not make a prayer stronger. If you're repeating the same things over and over again, you may stop. Okay. And I want to talk to those of you who are ADD because I'm not. I have the ability, I have the ability to sit down and do something for seven hours straight, not bad an eye. It's not a problem for me. I have focus as, as the day is long on a summer's day when it, the sun doesn't set till nine or 10 o'clock at night. But I live in a house full of ADD people. They are not like me at all. If ADD, there's either now or not now. And if it's not now, it's not important. If it's now, whoa, like it's big time important, okay? So if you're ADD, it may be that your experience in prayer is that as things become now for you throughout the day, you utter a brief prayer and it's not very long at all. Maybe it's not even 60 seconds, but you do that 20 times throughout the day. Guess what? You're praying. It's exactly what God wants, okay? God made you, he didn't make junk. He didn't make a mistake. The little pills you have to take to survive work don't make you like, okay? So I just wanna remind you of that, okay? Keep it simple and understand that we're not all the same about that. And then lastly, eliminate, uh, this is a plea when we're praying together. When we're praying together, you can eliminate the fill filler. I'm giving you permission to, so filler in Christian circles. Lord is a favorite filler. Lord, we come to you today, Lord. This is a good day, Lord. Lord, like, you know, you're lording it like 38 times and we're not even to the, you know, request part. It's okay to have silence. Now, if you're still lording and you've got this repetitive thing, it's okay. I'm not gonna throw stones at you. But another one that we like to do is the just, God, would you just? Like, I get that because I have kids because sometimes I'm like, would you just make your bed? Like, I understand, but I'm not sure that's a way to approach God. So, so I'm giving you permission to eliminate the filler. So prayer 
is like what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about if you're gonna hear God's voice, you should be reading or hearing the Bible regularly because God still speaks through the Bible. Today, I just wanna remind you that this habit of prayer, regularly praying to God, is also something that you need in your habit matrix. And it's a good thing. And it involves forgiveness and getting what you need and God's kingdom and some other things. But pray, pray. Pray. 